Many, many years ago, of course, um, there is this one man, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Abraham Lincoln. I'm assuming you've heard of him. Uh, Abraham Lincoln used to say this about the importance of life. He said, it's not the years in our life that matter, but the life in our years. It's not the years in our life that matter, but the life that we have in our years. And his point was simply to say that however much time you and I have to make the most of it, right? Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? I mean, maybe that's just the question of life. One of the ways I think that we do that, make the most of our lives, is by growing in a deeper awareness of how wonderful life is. I mean, it's an obvious point, but most of us on a daily basis, we don't think about that. Well, how do we do that, Father? <laughs> we grow in self-knowledge, knowing ourselves, what we're, what we're good at, what we're doing well. Jesus talks a lot about talents. And all that is what the saints call self-knowledge. You know, um, about two years ago, I, I got a call from this couple that I'm very, very close with. I've known him most of my life. And my friend calls me, and he said, Father, um, my wife and I need you to come over right now. And usually when we get these phone calls, somebody's dead or dying. So I get in my car, and I tear over there, and I'm ready to give last rites. And I walk in, and there's mess everywhere and there's boxes and plywood and screws and hammers and I said what on earth are you guys doing what are you doing they said he looks at me deadpan look he says father we went to Ikea <laughs> I said dude you know that like the comedian Amy Poehler she says Ikea is Swedish for marriage argument I said, please tell me you didn't do this. Well, well, Father, we went, we got a, 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 a bookshelf and a daybed, and it can't be that hard because it looked great. I was like, oh my gosh. I said, why are you calling me? I don't, we didn't learn this in the seminary. I don't know anything about this. He said, well, we called you to make sure that we don't kill each other. <laughs> I said, well, I don't, I don't know, man. I, whatever. So, you know, I spent the next couple hours trying to help him put together this Ikea stuff. Um, it didn't help by the fact that we had a martini along the way, trust me. But, you know, somewhere in there we got it together and there's five screws left over from what we were supposed to have. And I told him, I said, from now on, I'm gonna do this uh, for young couples when they come to get married. I'm gonna lock them in a room with an Ikea bookshelf <laughs> with cameras everywhere, you know, and just say, if you, look, if you can do this, you can, you'll be fine in marriage, trust me, you know? Oh my gosh, have you ever done this? My gosh, they look great when you're walking. Of course, when you go to Ikea, you have to walk through everything. But it's, you know, when you, when you have these challenges in marriage, something so simple as putting together a bookshelf, boy, things come up. People get testy now, they get testy. You take a road trip with someone that you're like, boy, it'll, it'll test your nerves. And you learn a lot about what we call self-knowledge, knowing yourself. Maybe you've had this experience. Honey, do you need help with the sink? It's leaking. Okay. Best of luck. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we kind of get on each other's nerves, right? We learn about self-knowledge. 
So when we're talking about knowing ourselves and working on ourselves, there's four primary things. Our strengths, our weaknesses, keeping in mind many people know their weaknesses, but they, they're not willing to talk about their strengths. Our motivations. What is it that motivates you and I? What motivates you? What gets you, gives you some mm, some umph? What they call chutzpah? What do you get passionate about? And finally, what are your triggers? I talk a lot about that. What sets you off? Your temper, your worry, whatever it is. Right? Would it, maybe your trigger is a person. Maybe it's a bad memory. Who knows? But all that is, is what we call self-knowledge. So St. Peter, our first pope, 265 popes ago, this is what he says in First in Peter. He says, self-love... Sorry, self-control leads to self-knowledge, which leads to self-love. Self-control leads to self-knowledge, knowing ourself, which leads to a deeper sense of love, and that includes self-love. Jesus said this, love other people as you love who? Yourself, right? But you can't do that. I can't do that. We all can't do that if we don't have self-knowledge, if you don't grow. And dig into this little thing we call ourselves, yeah? But a lot of people, they don't want to go in there because there's a whole landmine of memories and wounds and resentments and all that stuff in there. We got to do it. You know, yesterday we had uh, the ordinations, which was awesome. We, had, we ordained five guys, great guys. And I'm super excited for these guys. But, you know, I was looking at them and as awesome as those guys are, to me, they all look like they're about 10 years old. And I realized this at the ordination, I was like, I'm that old priest now. Like, I'm that guy. You ever wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, who is this old person? How did we get here? You know, because in our brain, we're still like 17. (laughs) You think, well, how did we get here? But it's also an opportunity, yeah, because as we get older, hopefully we're growing in a deeper sense of self-knowledge. Things that used to trigger us years ago, eh, it's okay. I mean, I think about things that I used to get so irritated about when I was newly ordained priest, and I'm like, why did, why did I get upset about that? We make a big deal out of things that don't matter, Yeah. That's self-knowledge, that's growth, which ultimately leads to happiness, hopefully. I just want to share with you, um, those people that work in the field of mental health, they often talk about three things that will trigger, um, that will trigger an unhappy life. Why? Because we look at life in a bad way. So three things that will cloud your judgment, your optic, okay? I just want to tell you so that Maybe you can guard against these things. Number one, what they call superiority bias. What is superiority bias? It's, you can sum it up in two words. I'm better. I'm better. I'm better looking. I'm more smart. Um, I don't associate with these riffraff. I'm actually just better. You ever known somebody like this? Highly narcissistic. And narcissistic people They walk into a room and they have to be the center of attention at all times. You can always tell these people because they're dropping names. 
Oh, yeah, we play golf together. We do this. Yeah, I know that person. Oh, yeah, I went to this school. I mean, they're, they're, they lack empathy and compassion towards other people. Highly entitled. We all know people like this. What happens when you know somebody who's narcissistic? They're alone. They know a lot of people, but nobody wants to be around these people. Because I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like a blowhard, this guy. <sighs> right? I usually sit next to these people on airplanes. <laughs> like, all of a second, tankery and tonic place. I mean, it, none of, nobody wants to be around these people. Yeah? Okay, second thing, the halo effect. What's the halo effect? It's when we put somebody on such a pedestal that we can't see their flaws. We often see people sometimes that if they rub elbows with the right person at work, they're better looking, um, whatever. This happens all the time with couples preparing for marriage. I don't have to tell you. Of course, now they're going to have to put together an IKEA bookshelf. But they, they think, I'm alone, I don't want to be alone, so this person, they're good looking, they're smart, they went to Ivy League, they must be perfect as a spouse. Mayday, right? But they, it's a halo effect. So they don't see the truth. So one of the things that we try to do is kind of tear away that and said, look, how much does your fiance drink? You don't, you don't think that's a, a lot? But it's a halo effect. It clouds the optic. Because I'm alone, I don't want to be alone, and this person is my life raft. Number three. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the word hubris. Anybody ever heard the word hubris? Okay, if you're not familiar with the word hubris, it is usually defined as an exalted sense of self-confidence. An exalted sense of self-confidence. Some self-confidence is good, but people with hubris, they will never listen to other people because I know best. Historian Ken Burns, he talks about President Lyndon Johnson in the Vietnam War. He said he had extreme hubris. Because Lyndon Johnson actually thought the Vietnamese were an inferior class of people. They, there's no way they're going to beat us. We'll just bomb them into submission. Found himself in this immense quagmire. This is where, brothers and sisters, humility is so vital. Because when somebody is humble, they can hear the truth, right? whether we're putting together a bookshelf or whether we gradually start drinking the Kool-Aid of hubris. Can't be happy that way. Self-control leads to self-knowledge, which leads to self-love. I'll close with this. Did you know at this very moment, as we're sitting here at this very moment, there's over 70 submarines in the United States Navy all around the world. 70 submarines, United States Navy all around the world. 60,000 people working in those submarines. 14 of those 70 submarines have intercontinental ballistic nuclear weapons. 
14. And by the way, you can always tell somebody who's worked on a submarine, you know how? They have a little emblem right here. Anybody know what's on the emblem? Dolphins. Any idea why dolphins would be the emblem of submariners? Because when you're in a boat on the ocean, you ever seen dolphins right next to you? And that happens in warships. You can never see the subs, but they're underneath flanking both sides, yeah? 60,000 people. By the way, most of those people volunteer. They volunteer. Now, let me ask you a question. Imagine that you spend six months underwater without ever feeling the sunshine. Oh, and by the way, you're this close to people all day, 24-7. And, you know, we get a little irritated if we take a road trip to St. Louis, right, with our family. Okay, imagine, by the way, these people, they're sharing their beds. Okay, they're on shifts. So when they get up to go do their shifts, somebody else is immediately there. Okay, this close, six months underwater. Do you have any idea how much self-knowledge that takes? These people go through extensive military training, but they will often say, that's not the challenge. That's not the challenge. I can learn that. The challenge is what? Self-knowledge. You're this close to somebody 24-7, you think they're not going to get on each other's nerves? It's okay. It's okay. Let it go. Right? That's somebody very poised that can think through the problem without overreacting. I share this with you for this reason, folks. I really do think that all of us can learn something from these people. You know, for each one of us in our families, we're kind of on this little submarine called life, right? Going through the waters, the challenges of life, right? Each one of us, day by day. Self-control leads to self-knowledge, which leads to self-love and ultimately happiness.